how many of us have loved every job we ever had? Nothing ever got on our nerves. We never wanted to throat punch somebody. <laughs> All of your jobs have always been perfect. Anybody raise your hand? If you've raised your hand, you're probably either independently wealthy, you work for yourself, you don't work, or you're lying. That's just, that's the only options that there are. <laughs> jobs have a tendency to um, bring out the worst in people at times. I would venture to guess that we have all been around people or worked in places that were less than good. Some of them we might even call toxic. This week we're starting a short two-part series on surviving toxic workplaces called Workplace Woes, Being Christian in a Bad Job. The first message in this series deals with how to deal with your boss when the boss is the problem. I worked um, at UPS for about a year as a loader in Fort Worth, and I had a direct supervisor who chose not to like me. Hard to believe, right? I mean, he just chose. I have my thoughts as to why he didn't like me, um, but I don't know for sure. But the basis of this series comes from the places where I would draw my support during my time there. Uh, the things that God would bring me to when I was struggling with dealing with someone who seemed to have it out for me. Uh, if you've ever had a bad boss, this sermon is for you. It doesn't count for you, Camry, because <laughs> you know, I may be the bad boss. Um, we have to realize when we begin looking at first century texts that there's not always a one-to-one -one correlation. You know, I, I'm not going to pick up my Bible and say, okay, God... Show me where you tell me to deal with my boss the right way. That's, that's usually not a possibility because the culture was different back then. Back then, you, you had to look at really what was going on. And so we have to look that we, there is some time where we stop and we read the text and we put it in our brain and we go, how does what they're saying to these people in this time affect us today? And, and what is it about this type of situation that can give us clarity in our own situation. And so we need to remember that as we come to our text for this morning. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 2. And if you're wondering where 1 Peter is, it's way back there at the back, right? It's way back uh, behind some of the epistles, behind James, getting real close to that final book of the Bible. So folks, Peter chapter 2, I would tell you a page number, but you're not in my Bible. So um, 1 Peter chapter 2 starting in verse 13. And it says, Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. As God's slaves live as free people. But don't use your freedom as a way to conceal evil. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Household slaves, submit with all fear to your masters. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor if mindful of God's will. Someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if you sin and are punished and you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer... 
if you endure it, this brings favor with God. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as the vessel. May the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. So you may have read that and went, what? What does that have to do with my boss? What does it have to do with dealing with the people that I work with? Well, the truth is, back then you had owners and you had slaves. This had nothing to do with race or anything else. This was everybody of every race could be a slave. It didn't matter what your race was, it didn't matter ethnicity, you could be a slave if you had been sold into slavery. And so here, Paul is talking to this culture and talking about how they are supposed to live in their everyday life. It's the Christian ethics, if you will, of what is supposed to go on. And so as Paul begins, or Peter begins here, Paul's our other chapter, it says, he says to submit. The truth is it pleases God when we submit to those who have authority over us. Uh, that's uncomfortable, right? We don't like that word submit. There's this word there that makes us cringe. We don't like the idea of submitting. Here, Peter, he's talking about emperors, he's talking about governors, and then he talks about masters. But here, it's every human authority. Submit yourselves to every human authority. And in our society, our boss is a human authority. Our boss has power that he can put over us and he can say to us and, and, and cause us to do things. And so the same will, of course, goes for master later on when he talks about masters because he says here, submit to those who have authority over you. Well, why? I don't like that. I don't want to submit. I'm American. I've got freedoms. But submission shows humility. It shows a humbleness. It shows the ability to, to follow leadership. Remember, Jesus in all of his teachings said things like, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. If any of you wants to be great, you'll be the servant of your brother. You'll be last. If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, he said, you'll become like these little children. Jesus spoke many times over the idea of being humble of doing things in a way that didn't bring a pat on the back to yourself, of doing things in such a way that shows your submission to those around you. Now, unless, basically, what you're told to do violates, violates your conscience or God's Word, you should submit. That's hard, right? There's a power struggle in our house right now as a certain little boy is turning seven soon, when we'll say, go clean your room. Why? I didn't mess it up. It's your room. Go clean it. There's a power struggle that, that has happened as, as the natural part of, of growing up. But that same thing happens at work sometimes, doesn't it? I, I need you to really get that report done. That's not my job. You know, Who's in charge of congregational comfort? It's not my job. Let's put it to somebody else. Let's find somebody else who's supposed to do that. But we're called to submit to every human authority, and it pleases God when we do that. 
The caveat here is, if what you're being asked to do goes against the word of God, you can't do it. You've got to stand against it. And you've got to stand up and say, no, I won't do that. But standing up for your beliefs can cause consequences. And you have to accept those consequences. That's the hard part. There is this line we walk in the workplace and in the world. Because we are told by Paul over in Romans that we have to obey every authority, right? Over in Romans chapter 13, Paul says, Everyone must submit to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. What? So what does that mean when I give my money to an organization that smuggles Bibles into a country where it's illegal to have a Bible? How do I put those two things together? I had a very long conversation 12 years ago with an older saint who was just very upset at a Romans Bible study we were having because we got to this passage of, of submitting to the authority. And that question came up. And she said, but I know that it has to be right to share God's word because we're told to share his word. But the law says, don't do that. So how do you handle that? Well, the same thing applies here in our workplace. What does this mean? It means that if God's calling you to do it, you do it. But if there are consequences, you deal with the consequences. You have to be willing to go to jail if you're going to smuggle Bibles into a place where it's illegal. You have to be willing to lay down your life if you're going to go and take the gospel to a country where it's illegal to be a missionary. You have to be willing to do those things and suffer the consequences because the law says one thing and God's word says another. Well, the same thing happens in the workplace. I had a job one time, and I may have told you this before. I don't know. I'm starting to get like Kenneth, telling all the same stories. Um, I worked at a grocery store, and I was a sacker. So I got to wear the cool little sacking uniform. That was so much fun. I was, I was pastor in my first church. I was doing sacking groceries on the side, and I was there, and I was bagging this lady's groceries, and she had like three dozen eggs. And as I went to put the eggs in her her bags, I, I noticed that something was dripping, so I opened it, and I said, ma'am, these are cracked. Let me get you another one, and I got her another one, and I put the thing to the side. And my manager came around and asked if we had any problems. I said, here, we need to put these eggs off somewhere. You know, three of them are cracked. And he said to me, put them back. Somebody will buy them. And I said, I quit, and I left. I could not go against my conscience because I knew if I refused to do what he said, I wasn't going to be there much longer anyway. The bottom line is the bottom line when it comes to business. And so we have to submit to our boss. We have to submit to those who have authority, and it pleases God when we do so. Now, we have to understand that if we stand up for our conscience because our boss is asking us consequences, we may lose our job. We may lose that financial security. We may lose these things. But the truth is, God calls us to do that. But the second thing Peter says here is that our righteous actions silence those who could criticize or condemn us. For it is God's will, it says, that you silence the ignorance of the foolish by doing good. 
Those things that we do that are proper, those are the things that silence the criticism, that silence those who can condemn us. Our, my boss there at that grocery store could never say that guy didn't have integrity. Remember my boss at UPS? Oh. I, anybody ever been in a UPS warehouse? There is lots of belts, right? I mean, and so I was at the end of one of the lines of belts, and I was putting returns into a truck, and I had three different returns. It was Radio Shack, Tandy Leather, and some other electronic store. And you had to get up into a box truck, not a regular UPS truck, a big box truck. And you had to put one stack over here, one stack back here, and one stack over here. And my boss brought me a new guy to train. Well, the new guy, he walked very slowly. He read labels very slowly. I mean, this was his top speed. And we were at the end of the belt. So our job was twofold. We had to take our packages, put them in the proper place in the truck. But if someone else on the belt had missed their package, we pick it up and put it down below so it goes back and they had to pick up their ones they missed. There's lots of things going on. So I said, okay, how about we do this? I'll work the belt first. You get in the truck and just stack the packages as I put them in there for you. That should work fine. I begin to sort, and he begins to do this. And that's as fast as he was going. A few minutes later, I can't see him in the truck because there are too many packages. And my boss comes by, and he begins to rail on me. He just begins to tell me how I am just being so mean to this guy and I shouldn't be doing this. And I'm like, that's not what's going on. His name was George. George, that's not what's going on. Well, then George's boss comes by. George's boss liked me for some reason. And he said, what's going on? And George said, he is, and he just, he just let him out. Some words I can't repeat here. And I said, okay, here's the deal. If y'all, all three get out here and sort the belt, I'll get up in the truck. And if I'm not, if I don't have it fixed for you in five minutes, I'll talk to blame. You can send me where you want to send me. He said, okay, that sounds good to me. So I jumped up in the truck, and in three minutes it was fixed. And Kevin said to George, George, fix this. And he walked away. Same thing happened. Kevin moved me away from George. Thank you, Jesus. Put me on the opposite end of the place. But then three weeks later, he comes back to me, and he said, Troy, I need you to go over to George's line because there are there is a set of 200 computer servers that the guy can't get to fit in the truck. Can you do it for me? Sure. And I went over there. And when I got there, there were 80 computer servers outside and 120 inside. Took it all back out. I put it all back in. I had two left. I put them in the front seat, and George lost them for me. You can't put them in the seat. I was like, George, I'm not going to go anywhere else. Kevin hears. He comes by, and he says, what's going on? And I told him, and he said, they could stay in the front seat, and it silenced George once again. I'm not saying what I did was righteous. I'm saying what I did was right. And, and I didn't yell, and I didn't lose it. Our righteous actions, when we do things that are right in the face of those who are treating us wrong, we take away their power to condemn. George could no longer condemn me because I did what was right. And there was nothing more that he could stand on when I did the actions and when I actions proved what I said. 
When we do those things, our righteous actions silence those who can criticize or condemn us. Nobody can say anything bad about us if we're doing what we say we do. And that's just the truth. You know, if you're saying you're going to do something and you don't do it, they can criticize you all day long. They can talk bad about you. But the truth is, our actions must remain righteous. He said, as God slaves live as free people, but don't lose your freedom as a way to conceal evil. We can't use our freedom for evil. It only takes you one time to react sinfully to tear down years of acting righteously. That's all it takes. One time. I was a good child. I know you don't probably believe that sometimes, but I was a good child. I can count the number of spankings I got on one hand in my entire life. <laughs> There's the wow. See? One tent. Because I had a very, very soft conscience. And so all my dad had to do was look at me and say, I'm very disappointed in you. And I was torn in half. That was it. That was all the punishment I needed. I, I wanted to do everything I could do to make my dad proud. And there was one time where my dad trusted me beyond compare because I always did what I said I was going to do. There was a girl once. Why do all the bad stories start there, right? There was a girl once who, um, who I had been forbidden to see. I had been forbidden to see her. There were good reasons, but they didn't tell me the reasons. He's just not allowed to see her. Well... I had another friend who was a girl who lived two houses down, and, and she would walk with me to the store so I could get on the phone and call the other girl and talk to her for hours at a time. That friend also went with me to the football game one night so I could meet this girl at the football game so that my parents wouldn't know. And then there was that one time that I took a wrong turn riding my bicycle because I didn't have a license and made a five-mile drive into a 45-mile drive. All day long, my dad didn't know where I was. Secrets came out. And my dad said to me, I don't know that I can trust you again. One action, one thing, destroyed 15 years of built trust. Our actions have to remain righteous. When we're dealing with bosses, your actions have to remain righteous. It may, you may, you may want to, you know, go off sometimes. But we have to be careful not to use grace as an excuse to uh, not proactively war <laughs> against sinful reactions. Well, God will forgive me because he really is a... You know, that's, that's kind of how we feel sometimes, Right? I, I need to tell him. Why? What does, what does telling him or telling about him get you? Is that a righteous action? Is that what God would call you to do? Because he goes on here to say what? That we must submit or we are to submit to our supervisors even if they are cruel and mean. Mmm. That's... It's easy to submit to someone you like, right? 
It's easy to submit to, to someone that, that you care for and has earned your respect. It's easy. Man, you know, let's, let's, go, let, let, let's, go for, let's go for a basketball analogy. If the coach has earned your respect, you'll follow that coach to the very end of the world, right? And you'll do what they ask you to do because you know they care for you and you respect them. But if it's a coach that, that hasn't earned your respect, now we're going to go, go from basketball to football. Who's seen Varsity Blues? Remember the coach in Varsity Blues who all the parents loved him, but all the students didn't like him because he was just a hard man. He was cruel and mean and he wanted one thing, victory, and that was it. But Peter says... Submit even when they're cruel and mean. We're supposed to submit even when they haven't earned our respect. Paul was talking about the same thing over in Colossians 3.23 when he says, whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and, and not for men. Whatever you do, King James says, in word or deed, do it as working for the Lord and not for men. Everything. Man. Do we do that? It's very easy to, to ask, what do I have to do to get the job done? And I do the minimum, and I get the job done, and I stop. But God calls us to work at everything as if I'm working for Him. So when I'm Building a fence, I'm building it for God. When I'm teaching a classroom, I'm teaching it for God. When I'm driving a truck, I'm driving it for God. When I'm working the cash register, I'm working it for God. Those are the things that, that we're called to do. And we do it in the way that we can do it. And we do it as hard as we can do it. Because whatever we do, we're called to do it as if we're working for God. We honor God by working our hardest, even when it's not pleasant. You ever had a job that just really, really, really wasn't pleasant? That just really got all up inside your head and you could not get out of it? I worked for a moving company once. I told you all about that. I moved one lady one time. I had to pray several times that day. She was an airline vice president. She had bought a lot that cost a half a million dollars on the lake in Grapevine. Her home was three stories high. She had a mattress that cost $7,000. And she said, it's just a simple move. You get there, you load it up, and you're gone. I'll have it packed up for you. And I got there, and she hadn't packed anything. We had to pack the whole house. And then load the whole house. And then unload the whole house. It was supposed to be a four-hour job. We started at 7 o'clock one morning, and we didn't end until 4 o'clock the next afternoon. But she was our boss in that moment. And we had to do what we could do to respect her wishes because we wanted to make sure everything was taken care of. And there was one man, one guy working for me, who couldn't handle that. And he got frustrated and he got mad and he tried to force a chair sideways through a door and messed up the door frame. 
And I know our mattress cost $7,000 because he put a hole in it. All because he was frustrated. And it's easy to be that way. It's easy to, to think, man, I just I need to do what I can do and just be done. But God says do more to go a little further, to give everything you have, and then give a little bit more. If you knew you were moving God's stuff, man, you wouldn't get lazy with it, would you? You wouldn't. The same thing goes if, if they live a different lifestyle. I mean, what, what happens if, you know, they, they want you to drink your entire shift while you're there and you just don't feel like that's something that God would call you to do? You've got to stand up for what God would call you to do. You've got to do the thing that you're supposed to do. And you have to submit to people sometimes even when they're cruel and when they're mean. But he tells us here that we are rewarded for reacting righteously when we're treated badly. That's, that's, the, that's the icing on the cake. If we endure it, it says it brings favor with God. Colossians 3.24 says, Knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. You know that you're going to receive the reward. You know that the reward word's going to be there. So you work for those people who are mean. Submit to those people who are cruel. And you work as they are because you know in the end God will reward you. God will be the one who gives that to you. You serve the Lord. You serve Christ. Our actions silence our critics, but we please God when we react righteously. Have you ever had a boss who did not act righteously towards you? Who said mean things or said bad things? But our job is to say, okay, literally it's cliche, but what would Jesus do? Has Jesus asked us to do this? We live here and we react here for a reward there. And then he ends with a little warning. He says <laughs> in Colossians, Everyone who does wrong will deal with the consequences of their action. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. Paul says it this way, somewhere else you reap what you sow. It doesn't matter who it is. If you are mean, if you are cruel, if you do these things, if you do wrong, you will deal with the consequences of your action. He says there's no favoritism. This doesn't mean that if the boss is wrong, if the boss is mean, if the boss is cruel, it means both sides. Both of us. If the boss is wrong, he'll deal with consequences. But if you're wrong, you'll deal with the consequences. And things are going to happen. You know, it goes both ways. We're called to live a righteous life and do what God would have us to do. But we can't do that if we're not saying, okay, I'm going to react as Christ would have me react. I think part of our issue in, in churches today is we react, we're not proactive. We're not proactive. We don't, we don't cut them off at the pass. I've said a lot, I know. So how can you be a Christian with a bad boss? First, submit to their authority knowing it pleases God. Second, act and react righteously to silence those who criticize and condemn. And third, work in your job for Christ knowing that he's going to give you your reward.
truly, if your boss doesn't like you, all you can really do is work for Christ rather than working for them. And by doing that, you may, you may change your boss. I don't know where I put it. I put my battery at. It's in my pocket. What did I say to the kids? Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm just a clanging symbol. I'm just making a whole bunch of noise. If we don't live our lives exemplified as being plugged into the love of Jesus, it doesn't matter what we do in our job. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to matter. If we rely upon Jesus and allow him to be the one who calls us to do this, then we'll react righteously. Did you know, did you know it's possible to hit your finger with a hammer and not cuss? It is, but it takes work, and it takes reliance upon Jesus. Because only Jesus can change the human nature inside us, right? Only he can change that. Maybe this morning, maybe you have been struggling in the workplace. Maybe you have a boss who, who doesn't want to listen, who's pouring too much on you or whatever it is. Rest in God. Rest in Christ. Knowing that if you submit to your boss and you are faithful to Jesus, that your reward will be given in heaven. I got in an argument with the deacon once. I did. I mean, you know, can you imagine me arguing with the deacon? Um, I had a family who it was actually a coach, basketball coach, go figure, uh, in the school. And uh, all of a sudden, he quit coming. And the deacons were mad. His family was there, and he wasn't. They couldn't understand why. Why wouldn't he show up? Well, I knew where he was. He had taken a job delivering pizzas for Pizza Hut so that his oldest daughter, who had just started tech, didn't have to take out student loans. He was taking care of the first ministry that God had given him. And I knew where he was, and he and I talked about it, and he and I had already been on the same page and had prayed over it. We knew what was going on. And I argued with him, and I said, you know what, here's the deal. He is submitting to a higher authority, and he is building up his treasure in heaven. And he knows when he gets there that God is going to say, well done, because you took care of the first ministry that I gave you. That's an amazing thing when we know what God has called us to do, and we follow through. Maybe this morning... You've been struggling with the boss. Now's the time to say, okay, Jesus, I'm giving it to you. Maybe this morning you have been struggling with something else and you want to pray. I'll pray with you. The altar's open. Maybe you want to surrender to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken a step to say, I want to know. Now's the time to do it. Just come down and say, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus, and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that... Uh, you would take this time, Father, use it for your glory. Father, make every need known. Let no one leave here today with a need that has gone unmet. 